All right, Kelly Robinson, thank you very, very much. Good morning here on the first Saturday of March. And uh, parts of this morning are very, very good. It's not cold. We didn't have ice on Thursday like we have the last several Thursdays. Those parts are really good. The part that I will tell you now that's not good at all is that the phones aren't working. Oh, my gosh. How do you do a talk show when your phones aren't working? I'm live. I'm dead. (laughs) This is not going to be good. You have 50 minutes of monologue. Oh, my gosh. Sitting, I had two two minutes of notice of this, and I can't even come up with a, a text number. I don't want to give my cell number, for crying out loud. And uh, I don't have a way to get email messages in. I don't want to give my email. I only have one email. don't want to give that. And uh, so I'm trying to figure out a way to have you get your questions to me. You're welcome to try the phone, and maybe you'll get through on one of the four lines that we have. But I think they all say, sorry, it's not working. Ugh. Just wish they would call and let me know that the phones aren't working. We'd figure something around. 888-256-1080. They're not working. But give it a try, and maybe you'll be a miracle person. And Jared Taylor, who is innocent in this situation, um, will maybe see that it rings and be able to get you on the air. But... The phones aren't working. Ugh. 888-256-1080. All right, so here we are on the 5th of March. I lost my dad 47 years ago this morning. And those of you in College Station who knew my dad, there still are some of you out there saying, oh, my gosh, Omer Sperry. My uncle was John Sperry. Those of you who are in College Station may have known both of the brothers. My dad was 10 years the senior. They looked alike, and people had him confused all the time. Except I didn't. I, I could always keep them apart. <laughs> Great men. Um, but uh, anyway, early in March, here are some of the things we can talk about today. We can talk about um, pre-emergent weed killer applications. Now, I looked at the uh, weather forecast uh, this, this morning and last night for parts of the state, and it's going to go below freezing in a good bit of the t- state later this week. And uh, that means that we are not, uh, we're not ahead of schedule at all. You know, the first time you get two or three days of warm weather, people are heading into the nurseries and they're buying their tomato transplants. I was in a nursery many, many years ago. The nursery is closed down now. This particular person is uh, no longer in the business I'm going to mention. But the uh, nurseryman was chuckling. That, that nurseryman, that nursery family, in fact, has sold that nursery to land developers and made a good bit of money. And so all is well there. But uh, anyway, the nurseryman was chuckling. I said, what's the matter? And he said, well, so-and-so was just in. And I knew the name because uh, he was a uh, weatherman uh, in the uh, DFW area. He said he's just come in for the fifth time to buy tomato transplants. (laughs) The other four times they had frozen on him. Oh, golly. So I just thought the irony of that. Um, Anyway... If you, if you think about the, uh, the spring weather as being a bell-shaped curve uh, where you have probability of, uh, of another freeze, um, and uh, it may not be a bell-shaped curve. It may be, a, uh, may be a, a, just a straight line uh, angle, uh, just uh, straight up or straight down. But uh, at this point in 
Uh, I'm going to use DFW as an area. And if you're in South Texas, this would have been your graph uh, three weeks ago. Um, at some point, you still have a 90% chance of having a killing freeze or frost. It uh, doesn't matter what it is. If it kills, it kills. You can have a killing frost at 36, 37 degrees on a clear, still night. You can lose tomato transplants, for example, or basil or peppers or things that are very tender. All right. So you can have, uh, you can still have a 90% chance where I live in the Dallas-Fort Worth area of having, having a killing freeze on the 5th of March. And then you, our average date of the last killing freeze is about the 20th of March. And then by the 10th of April, you have about a 5 or 10% chance, very little percent chance then. So you're pretty safe then. If you want to take about a 50-50 chance, you plant around the, the 20th, 21st of March. If you're uh, maybe in South Texas, that time would be uh, 20th of February. Depends on where you are. If you're in Brownsville, it's hard to figure that one because it rarely freezes. But And then you go to the Panhandle. And uh, you have a much later frost-free date, and that may be in mid to late April. I did a Google search for somebody the other day. Uh, they said, well, what is the average date of the last killing freeze in my area? And they didn't tell me what city they were in this great big state. And so I thought, well, I'll just see if there's a map that shows that. And there really are several maps. And the one that was the, the, the biggest map, uh, the, the top match, um, was about a week um, off where I thought it should be. It surprised me. It was later, uh, which is a good safe uh, safety valve. But if you just use keywords of, um, let's see, what was my first keyword? I don't think I put university in that one. I just said uh, average last killing freeze date. I put Texas at the beginning. Average Texas, average last killing freeze date county. And it showed all the counties, and it showed the map, and uh, and that was very useful. So that might help you. Um, Pre-emergent weed killers need to be applied two weeks prior to the average date of the last killing freeze in your area. Pre-emergent weed killers are products you put out to prevent the germination of crabgrass, grass burrs, and other annual grassy weeds. Simple as that. So, uh, and then you need to make a second application 90 days later so that you get a full season of pre-emergent weed control. Uh, they last about 100 days, therefore the 90-day overlap and 10-day uh, overlap. And, uh, and so that's why we talk about pre-emergent weed killers. Once you can see the weeds, you've blown it. It's too late. The, one, the weeds you see out there right now, you needed to have applied a pre-emergent weed killer back in September at Labor Day. By the, by the 5th of September, late August, early September. All right, all right, phones aren't working. I have no message that says phones are working. It's a miracle. They're cured. They're not. So this one day, all I can do is talk to you. All I can do is talk to you. I'm going to, I'm going to go through some of the most asked questions I've had. Um, so to that extent, I will uh, try to duplicate questions I would anticipate people would be asking right now it's all i can do to help i'm live here on the 5th of march and the old antiquated apparently 
phone system has completely cratered today. And like I say, I found out two minutes before I went on the air. So we'll make a good program out of it. It just won't involve phone calls today. Neil Spray's Lone Star Gardening is now in its fifth printing. And I'd like to think that it will help you uh, have a wonderful and successful garden and landscape and lawn this year. It has 344 pages, 840 of my photographs, 840 photographs on those 344 pages. That's a lot of photos, but there's a huge amount of text. It took me a year to write this book. Everything I have ever learned, everything I have ever said or written is included in this book. That's a lot. And um, I will guarantee you that it will pay for itself by the end of this growing season, the end of this spring, end of June, or I'll refund every penny. That's a that's a pretty stout guarantee. I have to do that because you don't get to see this book before you buy it. I chose not to put it in stores, and I chose not to put it on Amazon because I wanted to sign every copy of the book before I mail it to you. It's available only from my office or from my website. Neil Spray's Lone Star Gardening. Chapter 1 is the basics of gardening in Texas. Chapter 2 is a 48-page calendar that tells you when to plant, prune, fertilize, and spray all the plants in your landscape and garden. Four pages per month of what needs to be done in that month, including pre-emergent weed control. And the chapters 3 through 11 are very detailed chapters on trees and then shrubs and then vines and ground covers annuals and perennials oh those are long chapters and detailed then uh, lawns and fruit and vegetables it's all there and it is a hardback on high quality paper and printed in texas every bit of that goes cha-ching 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 to a publisher that's why i didn't want publishers touching this book because they would have just run the cost up it's only thirty-six ninety-five plus tax and postage. If it had gone through a publishing house and through distributors and stores, it would have been fifty-five, sixty dollars. It's thirty-six ninety-five plus tax and postage. I don't keep any of that, of course, but I'll refund it if you're not happy. I've had seventy-four thousand of these books sold, and not one person has asked for a refund. I'm comfortable in making that guarantee. Now, here's the way you can buy it. You buy it from my office, either via my website, neilsperry.com, or by calling my office Monday through Friday, business hours. Those are the two ways. The office phone number is 800-752-GROW, G-R-O-W. That's 800-752-4769. But the better way is to order it right now while you're thinking about it at neilsperry.com, N-E-I-L-S-P-E-R-R-Y.com. I hope you'll get it, Neil Sperry's Lone Star Gardening. Why should you pay every month for a temporary storage facility when you can own your own genuine Mueller building? Mueller's backyard buildings are easy to assemble, and they're affordable, and they offer a permanent storage solution right there in your own backyard. With a variety of sizes available and more than 30 colors from which to choose, their backyard building kits complement any home or landscape. And if your equipment requires even more storage space, Mueller's Standard Series buildings are ready to go to work for you. They're fabulous. Mueller, 
helps with all kinds of buildings, from workshops to big barns. These pre-engineered, bolt-together buildings come in a variety of size and color options. You can also visit them online at MuellerInc.com, M-U-E-L-L-E-R, MuellerInc.com. Get a free customized building estimate. And while you're there, click on their color selector tool to make choosing the perfect combination of colors an easy decision. You can find out more about Mueller Steel Buildings and Metal Roofing by calling 877-2-MUELLER. That's 877-268-3553. Or visit them online at MuellerInc.com. That's Mueller. Mueller means more. Mueller means steel buildings for permanent storage. I'll have more after this message. Yeah, Kelly. Kelly recorded that some years ago. We used that rejoinder. It's nice, nice thought. Phones don't work. Phones are not working, folks. Save your fingers. Phones are not working. Just frustrate you and frustrates me. Uh, it's a talk show, and I'm talking. <laughs> it's live on uh, on March 5. Um, but uh, it's a nice memory. We'll get it fixed by next week. Sorry about that. Um I do uh, other talk shows on the weekend. You can find them on my website at uh, neilsperry.com and uh, Neil on the radio. You can find phone numbers there. Uh, my other Saturday program is preempted by TCU basketball this afternoon, so sorry about that one. But tomorrow morning you can reach me if you'd like. A um, couple of things. If you're planning a color program for this year, I have some tips to give you that might be of, uh, of help. Uh, number one, I would suggest that you start small. Uh, I like to recommend to people that they, they plant their color strategically near an entryway, near the front door, places where you need a spot of color. You know, you don't have to have flamboyant color over the entire living room or, uh, or sunroom. You put it in the, in, you, you don't have to have 25 pots of blooming flowers in your sunroom you have one that's on a, a very prominent table and that's fine um, and and so you do the same with your landscape you find the focal point of your entryway or of your pool or your patio or whatever your balcony and that's where you put that color so start small uh, if you're going to do it in a container choose an attractive container not one that overwhelms the the plants you're going to be putting in it um and uh, then you uh, then you uh, choose plants that are well adapted to the the setting. That's where a Texas certified nursery professional can help you. Um, you you're going to hear about ten sirens go past my office where I'm broadcasting. Uh-huh. <laughs> there they go. Let's all celebrate noise now. This is a broadcast for the for the archives. I don't think you can probably pick that up, but I just, I did in my headphones. Um, so you choose plants that are well adapted to the, to the amount of light that you have, uh, sun or shade, and uh, whether it's a hot location or whether it's going to be a, a fairly cool location as spring unfolds. You choose colors that are compatible with your, with your home. And with the rest of the surroundings, you have to think about the color scheme. That color scheme can change as the seasons change, and that's part of the fun of it. 
uh, when you when you uh, plan your color, you think about when is that going to bloom, and uh, therefore you have to you have to time things properly. People say, well, I want I want white for a for a June wedding, and then they go out and plant uh, pansies, white pansies. Well, pansies are gone by the first of May, so oops on that. Or white petunias, well, they're gone by the by the first of May. And so you have to you have to think carefully about when will these things be colorful. Um, and, and so those are all important things. A lot of people think about planting perennials. Oh, Neil, I'm just tired of having to replant annuals twice a year. I'm just going to plant perennials, so I'll just plant them once and I can kind of forget about them. It doesn't work that way. That's a terrible mistake. Perennials are actually, in the long term of it all, every bit as much, if not more, work than annuals are. And I'll explain why that fallacy. Everything that you do in a perennial garden, you go in and you, you get the, the perennial bed ready with a rototiller and mixing in all the organic matter and, and then you plant your perennials and you're off, uh, all set and off to the races. But from that point on, everything that you do in that perennial garden, you do by hand because if a perennial blooms in the spring, you dig and divide it in the fall and vice versa. You have to go in there and in a very small area, do everything by hand, whereas with an annual uh, bed, you can take all the plants out and rototill again and replant, and you only do it twice a year. With perennials, true, you may not dig and divide them more than once every two or three years, but you have to do it by hand, and the, the real kicker is that perennials, most of them, bloom for two or three weeks out of the year. Think about daffodils. Think about chrysanthemums. And therefore, you have to have a lot of different kinds of perennials, whereas with annuals, you can have a beautiful bed with just two or three types. And so you get a lot more bang for your buck with annuals. So I, I always try to caution people, think it through. Don't, uh, don't get fooled later that you've spent a lot of money on perennials and you don't get a lot of dazzle. A lot of people will plant a whole bed of daylilies, my favorite flower of all. But I always say, remember, they only bloom pretty much for about three or four weeks in May or June, depending on where you are in Texas. And then they're not very pretty the rest of the year. So you want to use them in combination with other things, not exclusively. Same with iris. So those are, those are things to consider uh, when you plan your color bed. Let a Texas certified nursery professional or master certified nursery professional guide you. Go in during the week when they have a little more time to visit. Those are members uh, of the Texas Nursery and Landscape Association. They're member nurseries of the uh, Texas Nursery and Landscape Association. Those are going to be independent retail garden centers, not at the big national box stores. That's uh, that's a, a pretty important thing to me. If I were not doing broadcasting and writing for a living, garden uh, broadcasting and writing, I would have a retail nursery somewhere. That would be my passion. That's what I planned to do when I got actually two degrees in college. I was going to be the world's best greenhouse grower, and I never <laughs> never did a bit of it. Worked for Extension Service for seven years and found that I loved the media work and went that direction instead. Neil Spray's eGardens is my free electronic newsletter that comes from my computer to your email box on Thursday evenings just a little after 6 p.m. As I say, it is free and it always will be free. It has five stories each week. One of those stories is always 
uh, a, a featured plant for that week. Another of those stories is always a featured question of that week. One of those stories is always gardening this weekend, where I point out the 10 or 15 things that are most critical to get accomplished that week in the next uh, three or four days of that weekend. And then a couple of other stories that I think you'll find of interest. I write almost all of eGardens myself. It's like an old-fashioned garden section. If you don't take it yet, I hope you'll subscribe. It is free, and uh, I will never spam you, nor will I give or sell your email address to anybody. You'll get eGardens, and that's it. I hope you look at it. You sign up for it right where you can see a sample of it, and that's on my website at neilsperry.com, N-E-I-L-S-P-E-R-R-Y.com. Click on the eGardens tab. I'll have more after these messages. Toll-free because it won't work. There's no phone. The phones aren't working. Somebody cut our phone lines. No, I don't know what happened to them. They probably just burned up. Hello there. Good morning. Have a great morning. This is Neil. We're live on the 5th of March, and the phone lines aren't. So we'll get them fixed by next week, folks. You're hearing live Neil stalling for one hour. <laughs> this is this is a monologue. I... Uh, I enjoy radio very much. I actually, this is not as hard. The hard time is when you don't get any calls. The phones are working fine. You say to, to your producer, Hey, Jared, would you mind calling one line with another and see if they're working? And about 10 seconds later, he gets back on your headphones and he says, the other working fine. You're just not getting any calls. <laughs> That's pretty bad. But right now they're not working. And so. And I know that we'd be getting tons of calls this time of year. Uh, one of the questions I would be getting asked right now would have to do with uh, live oaks. Live oaks were brutalized across much of Texas a year ago by the cold. And uh, they are now starting to lose their leaves, which is a normal process at this time of year across Texas. This is the time that they shed the prior year's leaves and regain new growth, put out new growth, for uh, for the for the following season for 2022 and this is a time to watch your live oaks if you had any inkling that there was uh, freeze damage in february of 2021 this next six weeks will tell you a great deal uh, of whether uh, the tree was hurt badly um, the bark is what gave a lot of people a clue. There were live oaks. I realize if you're in South Texas, this may be a foreign discussion to you, but there was significant damage in the northern third of the state, northern half of the state, to live oaks. Live oaks vary genetically a great deal. There are live oaks that had absolutely no damage. There are live oaks that were killed by the cold last year that lost bark. It's called radial shake. R-A-D-I-A-L-S-H-A-K-E. I never heard that term until last year. And uh, their bark cracked vertically and separated from the trunk and just left them looking like a shaved poodle uh, by, uh, by early summer. And those trees lost their leaves and uh, they became brittle and some of them fell by fall. And so the recommendation was get them out of the landscape quickly before they really begin to fall and and hurt people and do damage to uh, buildings and vehicles and so that was the worst case scenario then there were live oaks that had maybe 50 percent of their normal leaf 
uh, complement and had a significant amount of bark loss. If the bark is lost all the way around on a tree trunk, then that tree is probably going to die. That's a very good uh, likelihood. Uh, if you had a tree that lost some bark and has cracks, but it didn't come off all the way around, those are the ones I'm talking about right now. And as they lose their leaves, let's say that they had most of their leaves most of last year, as they lose these old leaves that they normally would lose at this time, watch them, even take a photo before they lose their leaves, so you'll see what the leaf, the leaf uh, total looked like. Then as the new leaves come out and once they're fully expanded, take another photo and compare the two and see if you have as many leaves in 2022 as you had in 2021. If the tree is going downhill, then that's a bad sign. If it is uh, holding its own or even getting better, then that's a really good sign. That's what you want. Uh, we're, we're dry across most of Texas. It wouldn't hurt to uh, soak the tree. You cannot hold the bark on and hope that it will reattach. It doesn't work that way. So anyway, that's something to think about with your live oaks, and don't be peeling that bark off whatever you do. Um, that's probably enough to talk about on, on shade trees. Um, it, it's very important. If you have new plants that you have put in uh, for replacing damaged uh, plants from the cold, uh, maybe this is a year that you finally say, okay, I'm done. I'm tired of looking at those shrubs that were... Uh, brutalized by the cold. I've taken them out. I'm replacing them. You need to water your new shrubs and trees by hand for all of this growing season, all of 2022. Buy yourself what is called a water bubbler. This is a, a device that goes on the end of the hose, just much like a water breaker does. The water breaker makes a spray like a, like a shower head. Well, the water bubbler is as big as a man's fist, and it has holes the size of a pinky finger. And it breaks even the strongest flow of water into, into it looks like a, just bubbling water over a bunch of rocks in a waterfall. And lets you water at full volume, uh, as much water as you want to put out, without washing the soil out. They're, oh, I love water bubblers. They're fabulous. And everybody ought to have one. They cost less than $10, and they're just fabulous. They're just hard to find. Some hardware stores now sell them. The big national chain stores, no. But local independent hardware stores very likely either have them or can get them for you, and you can get them by mail order uh, pretty easily. So that's a water bubbler. It's as big as a fist and about that shape, and it has probably, well, I'm going to guess, it's like a carnival game. Um, I'm going to guess a couple hundred, a hundred maybe, holes the size of a pencil or the size of your pinky finger uh, in the aluminum housing of it. Um, and that's how you water these plants uh, in the from 1st of May or middle of April until middle of October, probably a couple times a week unless you get a flooding rain of two or three inches. Um, if, if it's just a shower, you still need to water. All right, 
that's enough of that stuff. We'll talk about something else in just a moment. But first, you know, I think I have a photo of a water bubbler in my book. Niels Ferry's Lone Star Gardening. I'll look it up while you're hearing a recorded ad in a minute. I'll see if I have it. Your go-to gardening reference. This is the book I want to put in your hands because this is the work of which I am most satisfied in, in my career. I worked a year on this. Carolyn Skye was my editor. I talked to her the other day. She's a delightful friend and a wonderful person. Just fabulous. And Cindy Smith, graphic designer, same thing. I talked to her just a couple days ago. Just an incredible talent. And the three of us did this book, self-published. I didn't want to work with a publishing house. They would have run the cost to you way, way, way up. Book's only $36.95, and then there's tax and postage to get it to you. I don't keep any of that, but, but let me tell you about the book. 344 pages, 840 of my photographs that Cindy laid in place carefully so it doesn't overwhelm you, but it tells you the whole story about gardening in Texas, written for every county in this state. Everything about lawns, landscapes, annuals, perennials, fruit, and vegetables, the whole works. It has more than 25 multi-page charts to help you choose just the right plants. It has a 48-page calendar, not a grid, but a, a permanent calendar that tells you what to plant, prune, fertilize, and protect in your landscape and garden each month of the year, four pages per month. That that chapter alone will pay for this book. If you don't feel like you have paid for this book by the end of June, I will buy it back from you, no questions asked. I've said that since the book was first introduced. I've not been asked after 74,000 books sold. I have yet to be asked to refund one penny on this book. Again, the book is only available from my website and from my office via phone. It's not in stores and not on Amazon. It's a hardback, printed on high-quality paper, and printed in North San Antonio, not in China. I wanted to keep Texans busy printing this book. Here's, here are the two ways you can buy it. You order it by calling my office Monday through Friday, 800-752-GROW, 800-752-4769, or you can order it right now. That's the way to do it at neilsperry.com, N-E-I-L-S-P-E-R-R-Y.com, Neil Sperry's Lone Star Gardening. All right, Kelly, thank you very, very much. And that, uh, just a, a reminder, that phone number is not working. Phones are out today. All four lines are down and out. And, and, uh, so don't, don't try that. You'll be frustrated. I'm frustrated. We've been chatting today. Um, when you pick a lawn fertilizer, there's, there's been quite a revolution in lawn, lawn fertilizers in the last 20 years. And if you haven't been paying close attention, I, I'm, about to give you some close attention here because and this actually applies to everything that you are feeding it's a very important piece of information um, and I fought this initially for a little while until common sense uh, struck me <laughs> um, the the place I fought it w- was when somebody showed me a soil test report from Texas A&M now, mind you I grew up in College Station my dad worked for A&M I worked for A&M um, my degrees are Ohio State, but, but I am very beholden to Texas A&M. I believe what they say. But that soil test report was to use all nitrogen on tomatoes. And I said, what? That just is odd. 
And so here is the here is the gist now of what what I came to find out to be accurate. The clay soils of Texas, most of us, many of us, garden in soils that are natively clay. And clay soils have very tiny uh, particles. I mean, electron microscope tiny. I knew that already. And that involves a huge amount of surface area on those particles, which means they retain a lot of water. That's why a clay soil gets sticky and wet and stays wet for a long time. Uh, as opposed to a sandy soil. And it holds nutrients very, very efficiently, including the middle number, phosphorus. You have nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium. Phosphorus, uh, when we put it on as a fertilizer, is slowly, slowly, really slowly soluble. It doesn't dissolve quickly. And therefore, plants cannot utilize it very, very efficiently, very quickly. And even though it's used in the production of uh, roots and flowers and fruit, hey, tomatoes, fruit, um, it builds up in the soil. And when we repeatedly apply fertilizers that have phosphorus in them, we get too much. And soil tests show that we are now at, uh, at harmful levels of phosphorus. And that's why the soil test report comes back saying don't put any more phosphorus on. Use all nitrogen. And so many soils in Texas now, most of the soils, will give you a soil test report that will say that. That's why it is recommended that lawn, uh, lawns be fertilized, that shrub beds, trees be fertilized, and even flower beds and vegetable gardens be fertilized with a very high-quality all-nitrogen fertilizer. The exception would be very sandy soils, where there is not that, that uh, nutrient-holding capacity in the soil. So don't be surprised when you have your soil tested if, it, if the result comes back and says use an all-nitrogen fertilizer. What makes a high-quality fertilizer? Well, you want a third to almost a half of that nitrogen to be in a slow release form. It's going to be either encapsulated or coated. Those are, those are words that you'll see on the bag. It'll say contains uh, coated or encapsulated nitrogen. Your nurseryman can explain it to you. Have we talked enough yet about a Texas certified or master certified nursery professional? He or she can point at the fine print on the bag and explain to you that's what Neil was talking about right there in that fine print on the back of the bag. It's not hidden, but it's just complicated, and they know what they're talking about. They can explain it to you. These uh, folks in the big box stores don't know what that means. That's why you want a professional nurseryman. Okay, there you go, a nursery person. I didn't mean to get sexist. Uh, old habit. Um, so that's why you want a quality fertilizer, and the truth is you can probably use the very same fertilizer on all of the plants that you are growing. You buy enough to do everything that you're growing. Isn't that cool? Of course, you don't want a weed killer in it. I'm not a proponent at all of weed and feed products. Not at all. I have never bought one. Don't intend to. I very much believe in weed killers. I very much believe in inorganic fertilizers. I do not believe in putting them on in the same product. So that's what I wanted to tell you about that one. Let me... Uh, let me tell you about my website and something about Mueller, and we'll finish out with another 
suggestion or two. My website is neilsperry.com. That is where you buy my book. That's where you sign up for eGardens, and that is where you see the, uh, the, the 1001 Frequently Asked Questions. Yeah, 1001. That was another book I wrote. Spent a year doing that one, and that publisher went bankrupt. That's another reason I self-published this latest book. So if you want to buy Neil Sperry's Lone Star Gardening, go to neilsperry.com, N-E-I-L-S-P-E-R-R-Y.com, and click on the, uh, the, the, well, it's on the homepage. You'll see the banner for the book, and you'll also see the invitation to sign up for eGardens. Neil Sperry's, uh, well, neilsperry.com. That's my website. I'll look for you there. I'd love to have you, love to have you bookmark it and come back frequently. Homegrown goodness, that's what Mueller is all about. They've been producing quality steel buildings and metal roofing right here in Texas for 90 years. Well, now you can grow yourself a Mueller greenhouse right in your own backyard. Their easy-to-assemble, bolt-together greenhouses come in five sizes. How cool would that be to build your own greenhouse? from Six by nine, that's too small. You want the 12 by 21, the biggest one they have. They have other sizes as well. They feature a galvanized steel frame with more than 30 designer trim colors from which to choose. With hail-resistant polycarbonate panels, lockable walk doors and windows, a Mueller greenhouse will let the sun shine in and it will protect your plants year-round. Don't let the weather ruin what you've worked so hard to produce. Get yourself a great greenhouse from a Texas-grown company. Visit them online at MuellerInc.com, M-U-E-L-L-E-R-I-N-C.com, or you can give them a call at 877-2-MUELLER, 877-268-3553, MuellerInc.com. Mueller means more. Mueller means greenhouses. I'll have more after this message. Thank you, Kelly, very, very much. And we are live today on the 5th of March, and we'll be live next week. And next week, the new and improved Lawn and Garden Hour will have telephones. <laughs> it better. Oh, my gosh. Um, as we, uh, if you just joined us, our phones have been out today. Uh, the uh, one remaining thing I want to talk to you about, because we're getting into uh, tomato planting season, um, I would I would very much recommend a couple of things on tomatoes, uh, since they are America's and Texans' favorite uh, vegetable. Choose your variety very carefully. Stay away from large fruiting tomatoes. They do not do well in Texas. They shouldn't be sold in Texas. Big Boy and Beefsteak and Ponderosa and those other very large, the Whoppers, the, the ones that you see touted on the seed catalogs for the north. They do not set well when it is below 70 degrees at night, and they do not set well when it's above 90 degrees in the daytime. Uh, and you'd be amazed at how short that little window is. You may get three or four fruit off a big boy tomato in Texas. If you have a really lucky year, you might get seven or eight. You need to go with the small tomatoes to midsize, tennis ball size and smaller, and you'll have so many more fruit. They are planted about the frost-free date for your area. That's one plant that I would suggest you plant and, and try to get every day you can out of the tomatoes uh, from the time of planting, just so you can get as many as you can before it turns really hot. Um, 
you can check your variety list for your county. There will be recommended varieties, but you're looking at Early Girl and Roma and uh, all the cherries and pears, Sweet 100. Those are all excellent varieties. There's some just fabulous small tomatoes uh, all the way up to um, uh, some of the, the newer hybrids, but just stay with the small to mid-sized tomatoes, and you'll be just light years ahead. Keep them moist at all times. Um, and don't let them dry, and uh, they need full sun. If you're going to grow them in pots, they need to be in seven-gallon pots or larger. People put them in too small a pots, and they don't do well. Those are all things to consider, uh, and you can uh, you can succeed with tomatoes. They're worth trying, but uh, keep them growing uh, very, very well. Watch out for early blight, which will normally show up in uh, late spring in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. It shows up the last uh, couple weeks of May, and then about three weeks later, uh, we see uh, spider mites. South Texas, that would be a, a few weeks earlier than that in both cases. Early blight first, and then uh, spider mites. I'll let you do the homework on those. Tomatoes are successful, though, and uh, I hope you can enjoy them. Jared Taylor, you walked me through it. Folks, we we made it. We survived it. Phones next week. Hope you'll tune back in again. Thank you for listening. I've enjoyed it. I'm Neil Sperry. Until then, happy gardening.